So we've held our world with all its brokenness before God. And we're going to hear, and having heard from his word, Beth is going to speak to us this morning and reflect on that passage or those passages together. And so let's just pray that God would speak deeply into our hearts and minds this morning. That he would rewire us and change our thoughts and our minds by the words that Beth has to share. We pray that you would empower her by your spirit. And we pray, Father, that as we hear Beth speak and those words sink into our hearts and minds, we would go out from this place to make a difference in our world. This we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. So we've had a great time already exploring the book of Exodus. I'm getting really excited seeing this growing. There's something about a visual story, isn't there? And you can just see what's happening. But already we get a sense that God wants Moses to do something really big. And it's going to take perseverance. I was thinking about this word, perseverance. Sorry, let me reposition my microphone. So I'm not pointing at the speakers. Is that better? Am I still going to stop feeding back now? So I was, for the tape, I was thinking about this word perseverance and I was trying to work out what does it really mean? Well, clearly there's a lot of perseverance going on here in Exodus. But when you think of perseverance, maybe you think of someone like Lizzie Yarnold. Wasn't she brilliant? Who was watching the Olympics at Sochi? We got quite excited in our house, particularly the sledging. I was terrified. But... I could never do that. But the amount of training they did, how hard they worked, what they must have given up, that was real perseverance. And there is Lizzie Arnold with her gold medal, Olympic champion. Perseverance. But maybe, actually, sometimes, when, when we think about persevering, we think about going on and on and working harder and harder I was thinking that, I must work harder, I must work harder. Who says that? Who remembers reading George Orwell's Animal Farm? Perhaps you read it at school. But there was Box of the Horse. I must work harder, I must work harder, I must work harder, he said, until he collapses and he ends up going to the glue factory. Was that perseverance? Well, on the one hand, it was. But what's the difference? And what is it about Moses persevering in Exodus? How do we know that it was the right sort of perseverance that would lead to the gold medal and not the glue factory? So I thought we'd take a look at some of those issues. And obviously, to get us started, we need to say, well, well, what did perseverance look like in Exodus? The really important question is why? What enabled Moses to persevere? And then I think, possibly even more important than that, what about us? Have we got to persevere too? So let's see. Let's start at the beginning with Moses. Here we go. We have Moses and Aaron persevering in a challenge God had set them. You know, God set them some pretty tough challenges. This was just the first one, but for me, it would have been the most terrifying If you look at the end of chapter 4, we only read a short section today, but we're going to draw on the whole of chapter 4. 
that what God had asked Moses to do was to go before the elders of the Israelites. And you can read he finally got there in in, uh, verse 29. How terrifying. Here was Moses, who had fled Egypt, who had not been near his Hebrew people for many years, being told to go before the elders and to tell them, look here, that uh, in verse 31, that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery. What a challenge. And the good news is that we see in verse 31 that the people believed. So it was worth it. But at the start of the chapter, oh, that's quite a challenge. And then it gets worse. He didn't have to just go to the people. He had to go to the Pharaoh of all Egypt. And God warns him really clearly. We've got it here in uh, verse 21. The Lord said to Moses, when you return to Egypt... See that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do, but I will harden his heart so he will not let the people go. It's quite a challenge God's just given him. And that's just the beginning, because look at this. 40 more years wandering around the wilderness. God was really asking Moses to persevere. And so how did Moses do it? When I look at Moses at the start of chapter 4, I don't see someone with the passion of Lizzie Yarnall to get out there and train. This doesn't seem to me to be a man who is jumping off the starting block and saying, right, God, let's get started. In fact, the whole of chapter 4 is just excuses, excuses, excuses. I found this book on the internet. I want to copy from my desk, actually. 365 excuses for all occasions. Who else wants a copy? I think that sounds good. Absolutely, hands up all over the place. And that really is where Moses was. God had given him this enormous challenge. And Moses said, ah, God, are you sure? In fact, to be specific, the first thing God said to him in Exodus uh, 4, verse 1, he said, What if the people do not believe me or listen to me? And they say the Lord did not appear to you. So Moses was questioning whether God could actually do what he said he'd do. God had told him, you're going to go to the people, you're going to lead the people. And Moses was going, they won't believe me, God. Well, I can understand, don't you? We often feel the same. What else did he have to say? Well, in uh, Exodus 4, verse 10, we see Moses feeling completely inadequate. He said to God, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. I think we often feel like that, don't we? If God asks us to do something, our first response is, Me? You don't mean me. I can't do that. And then he had another excuse. In uh, Exodus 4.13, he said, God, just send someone else. I can understand that as well, can't you? So we have Moses giving excuse after excuse after excuse when faced with this great challenge of what God wanted him to do. 
So how come he did it? How come he was able to persevere? And I think it all comes down to acknowledging who it is that's asking you to do this. We heard last week about the covenant God had with his people. The great I am came to Moses and said, I love you and the people and I will be with you. And over the course of chapter 4, I think we see that starting to sink in. I think Moses is starting to realize that when God calls, he equips. Because when faced with unbelief, what does God do? God shows his power. We heard about it in setting the scene. The snake coming from the staff. God shows his power step by step. And what's wonderful at the start of chapter 4 is that Moses needed to see the snake be made. He needed to see his hand healed. But then the final miracle that God mentions here in chapter 4 about the, the water turning into blood, Moses didn't need to see that. He could trust God because he had started to realize that when God calls, he equips. But what about the next excuse? When faced with inadequacy, then God reassures us that he made us as we are. God is calling the person that he made and God will equip the person that he made. And that is the lesson that Moses is learning here. But what about when we say no? Have you ever noticed that God responded so tenderly to those first two excuses? When Moses showed unbelief, God slowly walked with him until he believed. When Moses said, I'm inadequate, God said, I love you and I made you, and I will equip you. It's only when Moses says, no, God, just send someone else, that God shows his reproof. But even in that, he is being so patient and loving, because actually, he's already lined up Aaron, hasn't he? Aaron's already on his way. God has already called Aaron to serve alongside Moses. So even in that, when God calls, and he called both of them, then they could know that God equips. So how did Moses persevere? Because he knew the great I am was calling him, and the great I am would equip him. As we heard in our setting the scene, God said, I will tell you what to say. God calls and he equips. So we've seen how Moses was called. We've seen how Moses was being equipped. And we know from the rest of the story that Moses really did persevere and do amazing things in God's power. What about us? Well, it's just a story, isn't it? This is an old story long ago. God did this with Moses. God got the people out of the promised land. The history happened. We're living in New Testament times. We're beyond then. God's not going to do that to us, is he? Sorry. I think he is. 
Amen. I think he is. And that's what we heard in the letter that Peter wrote to those young Christians that we read as well. We read that it is God's divine power who has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. I don't think any of us could be a Christian without it being a response to God's call. And I don't think he ever just leaves us where he finds us. I think he takes us on further. And so the good news for us is that the God who calls us is the God who made us and he's the God who will equip us. And he'll do something different with each of us. He is very unlikely to get any of us to go to Egypt and to speak to the rulers there and to say, let my people go. Moses was the ideal candidate for the job. Moses had been an Egyptian prince. It's no wonder that God called him. I wonder what it is God has been training you to do. What is God going to ask you to do next? Whatever it is, you will be ideally suited to it. Whatever it is, though, I imagine you will feel completely inadequate. And there is a great biblical tradition of people feeling completely inadequate, but God still using them and equipping them and doing great things. In fact, um, I did a bit of research. Think of some of those great biblical heroes, okay? People who, who you really admire, who changed the world for God. And let's look at what they were really like. Noah, he was a drunk. Abraham, too old. Isaac, a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses, well, we've heard all about his problems with eloquence. Why use the word eloquence when saying you're not? But anyway, Moses had problems being eloquent. Gideon was afraid. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were just too young, people thought. David had an affair and then committed murder. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried. The Samaritan woman was divorced. Zacchaeus, too short. Paul, too religious. And Lazarus, he was dead. But God used them. Because when God calls, then God equips. And I think if God could use that bunch of people, just think what he can do with this great bunch of people who he has called, he has saved, and he will equip. And so you see, perseverance is not just about saying, I will work harder, I will work harder, I will work harder until you drop. Perseverance isn't about saying, oh, there's nobody to do this particular job, I suppose I'd better do it. Perseverance is about asking God, what have you made me to do? What have you laid on my heart? What are you going to do with me? And then daring to say yes, because you trust the one who calls you. 
And I think that there's some words we sing quite often here in Camborne. We sing this song, and we're going to sing it again in a minute. And what I love about this song is it starts by saying, God, you are amazing. The first thing we do when we sing this song, Hillsong's Hosanna, is we say, God, you are amazing. And we acknowledge the power of that great I am who calls us. And then we say, open up our eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. And it's only then, only when God has broken our heart, that then we can say the next bit. Everything I am from your, for your kingdom's cause as I walk from earth to eternity. And in a few minutes, we'll sing that song and we'll have that chance to respond. I don't imagine most of us have quite worked out exactly what it is God's calling us to do yet. But I hope that we dare to say to God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And I know that for me personally, those words have meant so much because I have felt what it's like when God puts on your heart something that breaks your heart and then you just can't let go. And that's where the perseverance comes from. God lays it on your heart and then you have to respond and you want to respond. So I promised you three things this morning. Great sermon structure there. Number one, I said, what does perseverance look like in Exodus? Number two, I said, how did they manage to persevere? And number three, I said, what does it mean for today? But I'm going to break the rules and I want number four. Because the more I read this, the more I realize, actually, it's God who perseveres. It is what God did that is the real message of perseverance in the book of Exodus. Because God turned up and he looked at these people who were crying out to him. And they needed somebody. And slowly, slowly, he brought Moses along. And then slowly, slowly, he persevered with Pharaoh. And then slowly, slowly, he persevered for 40 years with the people in the wilderness. And the Bible continues. That's only right at the start of Exodus. The whole of the rest of this book is God's steadfast love for his people. God's perseverance that ended up there with Jesus on the cross. God dying for each and every one of us to take away our shame and to give us new purpose and that I think is what we learn about perseverance from the book of Exodus and so in a minute we're going to sing we're going to tell God how great he is and if you dare I dare you ask God break my heart for what breaks yours